The Apprenticeship of Giuseppe Lupo Written by Youssef L. Deeb Narrated by Jason Melnichuk Chapter 6 Geo's Malady Let me paint for you a new background to the story of my father, Giuseppe Lupo, Julia tells me as we exit the bar. She gently wraps her arm in mine, and we walk. I'll use wide brush strokes. You see, his history is complicated by his malady. He is not well. We walk against a cold, crisp headwind that makes one feel that life is refreshed. It also makes me and her feel intimate as we walk close to each other to catch each other's warmth. We take a long, somewhat aimless walk around the old streets of downtown Montreal, and she reveals to me how Giuseppe Lupo's telling of his own story is tainted by a severe illness. I learn from her that for Gio, his memory is like a ship's keel that has come loose, affecting the precious, delicate balance of his life. She confides in me his secret. He has Alzheimer's, a unique strain of the disease that has him imagine a memory that is not accurate. They suspected that he acquired these new memories from films and books that he would have seen. All fiction. Mnemosyne left his soul, and without his memory, he is now visited by the muses. They tickle his intellect. My silent, empty stare betrays to her that I don't know what she means. I am confused by what she has said, and I have no idea what she is talking about. We walk on quietly. Let me buy you lunch, she says as she leads me into a small, steam-windowed diner. We sit quietly in a small booth by the window and watch the passers-by, all of them slanted forward against the strong, icy wind. A waitress takes our order, and when the coffee arrives we sip it quietly. She inserts a nickel into our table's jukebox. She spends some time looking at the song menus, sliding them from left to right, then back again. Finally, she stops and chooses a song. I note that she pushes B5, and I wait for the music. A classic from an earlier decade beams through the speakers of the nearly empty diner. One pill makes you larger, and one pill makes you small, and the ones that mother gives you don't do anything at all. I feel a bond develop between us, meeting at the live wire, our walk in the cold November air, and now sitting here with her at this diner. All these make me feel closer to her. Her nonchalant selection of the song and her sharing of her father's true story, Geo's, is what is creating this closeness. Shortly, she explains what she meant earlier. It's her mother and her's attempt to make sense of losing one father, the one whom she knows inside out, while gaining one whom she watches constantly reinvent his history. Look, I know you have no idea what I mean. It's complicated. The best way I can explain it is this. In ancient Greek mythology, before death, one drinks from a certain river, the Lethe, so that one forgets all of one's life's memories. This way the soul is prepared for his next life by forgetting this one. 
Once the mind is clear, it is visited by the muses, the creative ones. This is where my dad is at, at the river, drinking and forgetting. She laughs and continues. The muses are the goddesses who command inspiration, literature, the arts, poetry, and in my case here, in my father Giuseppe Lupo, his creativity. Oral creativity, mind you. His storytelling. Calcification, I say absent-mindedly. Now you get it. Yes. To not hurt his feelings, we let him retell his story any way he wishes. Your teacher sent you to him for a reason. They had a wonderful friendship when they were young, and when the illness set in, Hans wished to have my dad's mind remain active, so he sent you to continue to interview him. We think it helps postpone the calcification. I am thinking, but which story ought I write? The real one from Julia, or his made-up ones? Our lunch arrives, and we remain quiet until the waitress leaves. Then Julia speaks. Would you please continue to help by listening to him? And by this, you will help postpone the calcification. But don't worry, I will tell you his real story. After all, we wish to have it documented by you. It's a fascinating story. Okay, Bakshish? She teases me. And so it comes to pass that two-year-old Geo finds himself alone, without family, at St. Vincent de Paul, an orphanage and primary school in the Laban region of Alexandria. Around the school, the streets are always busy with the constant sounds of the hammering and metalwork of small workshops and factories. Many of these are owned by Greek and Italian Egyptians. The orphanage's two-story L-shaped building is divided into two. One side houses the orphanage, the other the classrooms. The building hugs two sides of the school playground. In the sandy playground is a large, old banyan tree on one side. The rest of the school is fenced by two rows of palm trees and a shrub made of a haphazard selection of bushes. It's under the maze of the old, dusty banyan tree's multi-rooted branches that Geo spends many hours daydreaming about his mother and father. This is the same tree where he often plays cowboys and Indians, long before knowing what these concepts mean. The boys repeatedly play, imitating what they see in movies or what they hear others say. In this case, the boy who manages to climb the highest among the complex branches can claim the land. That's the rule of the game, regardless of the team of the winner. The game always starts again with an argument over whose turn it will be to play the Indian and who will play the gun-toting cowboy. The boy's uniform is a black, knee-length bib that ties once around the back, like a surgeon's gown. Often boys gang up to catch one of the giant moths that live in the woodwork of the playground sunshade, then slip the fluttering moth under the shirt of a victim boy to watch him squirm. Most times, Geo is the recipient, helpless at the flapping of the insect, now near his waist. He is the weakest of the bunch, after all. The story of his illness and funeral as a baby is the one genuine part of Geo's narration. On most nights, Geo has a recurring dream. 
some time after he has fallen asleep, he half wakes, paralyzed. In his vision is a phantasmagoria of colors. Like the banyan tree's intricate and mysterious branches, he sees tubes of color, thousands of them intertwined in a complex formation that fills his vision. As fantastic as the vision is to Geo, he feels he needs to untangle the color tubes. He needs to find patterns, to find understanding. He is unable to use his arms. He is in a trance state. His only tool is his mind. He tries to mentally command the color tubes to separate and untangle, but they continue to dance, slowly teasing him. At some point in the dream, after trying and failing and working up a sweat, the tubes suddenly disappear and a single white vibrating line appears. It covers his peripheral vision and has a beautiful sound that lulls him to sleep. It is then that Geo feels peace and falls asleep. Many decades later, at an ashram in India, he hears the Om chant and remembers that this was precisely the sound of the white, vibrating tube of his boyhood dream. The same, identical dream repeats almost every night, and during his feeble attempt to unravel the colors, he begins an autonomic habit of grinding his teeth. This causes him much trouble as it disturbs the other boys' sleep near him in the orphanage. You know what is worse than an orphanage? It's to be in an orphanage, but also to know your parents exist and to know that you can only see them on rare occasions. Geo is in that orphanage without being an orphan. She moves our plates aside. Then she takes a paper napkin and spreads it out on the table. She draws a triangle. At one end she writes the name of the orphanage, St. Vincent de Paul. At the other two angles, she writes father and mother. His parents, my grandparents, whom I've never met, divorce when Gio was at the age of two. His father travels far away to work in Gaza. His mother returns to stay with her parents in Cairo. And where is the orphanage? Nowhere near them. It's in Alexandria. It's the constant daydreaming about his parents that impacts him the most. In his eternal missing them, it helped create his fertile imagination. This is Giuseppe Lupo's mind, in a word. <laughs>